Hello and welcome to the Wicked Awesome Cast, episode 244. Uh, it's just the gruesome twosome this week. Alex is out for reasons I don't ask anymore. I, the Shadow Realm comes for him and we don't talk about it or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> I just don't know anymore. I'm tired, man. Tired of the Shadow Realm. Tired of... Uh, I'm tired of Yu-Gi-Oh. Yeah. I was tired of Yu-Gi-Oh when Yu-Gi-Oh was like a thing, and I watched the <laughs> fuck out of that show, but like not in like a sincere way, in a, there's nothing fucking else to watch right now, I guess. Yeah, I've never, I've never actually seen an episode of it. I, as someone who genuinely enjoyed the card game up until the card game got... Malicious is maybe the right way of thinking of it. Like, I, all trading card games have an inherent problem of every new season expansion, whatever you want to call it, of that game has to be the most powerful version of that game. And, like, God, the 2004 version of that game, 2003 version of that game, the, the game I was playing in middle school was defendably fun. Like, I, it was a cool deck building game. It wasn't as complicated as fucking magic was like it for a kid. It was a good entryway to that style of game. that didn't want you want to like gouge your eyes out or you wouldn't just get steamrolled necessarily until you're like, I remember the exact point where that stopped being the case. Cause one of my friends got money. He's like, Oh, I bought these high end cards. I'm like, Oh, you fucking suck now. You asshole. Like there, there was a <laughs> tipping point in that, like in that fandom. I want to say like four years into that card game existing where it went from, Hey, this is kind of open to everyone to, okay. Yeah. The theme decks are getting out of control. All of a sudden there was some synergy going on. That wasn't here in the early days of this game. That, uh, definitely helps if you have some money to throw at it yeah and that's why they you know it's it's in you know i'm pretty sure that's designed into it yeah that is they decide to put in a few extremely powerful cards but are rare enough like purposefully rare enough where you'd be difficult to collect many of them oh no this one was more insidious where i how do i explain this one like at its launch, there was a couple confusing systems that just did not work the way people wanted them to, and in the most like asinine way possible, the show and the game didn't match up in a meaningful way, so that made it really confusing. And uh, the show had this weird... The, the game had this weird habit of whatever was powerful in the show suddenly became really powerful in the actual game, and there was this point where the show started getting into kind of weirder stuff of the card game, which was cool to see, but also simultaneously it's like, oh shit, theme decks are now a thing. Like there it's no longer, hey, I got this thing I have going on. It was like, okay, you have these like nine cards that once you have them active, you've basically locked down the game and it's now just running out the clock at that point. It's like you're you're going to probably win eventually. The counters for this are very specific. And and like and if it was just nine cards in the game, that'd been one thing. But it was like, no, here are forty-three very viable lockdown tricks you can do. But all of the, but to do all of them, like each one is twenty bucks a card, kind of thing. You're like, ah, oh, shit, you need five of these, and you do the math, and that gets real scummy real quick. And if you had that one from that was willing to cough up like the forty bucks for 
there was like Jinso or something was what kind of wrecked my friend group on that one. Where it's like, okay, I have this awesome deck. You do, and none of us will play with you anymore. Why? We all buy the booster decks at 7-Eleven because we do not have that type of money. <laughs> yeah, that sounds actually bit worse than magic and yeah. i say this as a person who played magic for years and then sold off all of my cards except for like yeah. a deck or two yeah i at, at least magic you had more forced variety in the game like because of the whole land system and you could do clever shit like it's the 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 cost of summoning stuff in that game, like when I was a kid, I thought was bullshit. But as I got older, I came to appreciate where like you couldn't get the world wrecking shit into the game immediately. A properly designed Yu Gi Oh deck is like a fucking Megazord combining with a Megazord combining with a Megazord. It's lots of like parts interlocking in ways that they shouldn't, and like it starts off like, "Hi, I have this cat, yeah," and now it's Godzilla. How the fuck did we get from point A to point B? What were these nine cards? Oh, what? <laughs> yeah, I Yu-Gi-Oh got bullshit real quick, and it in hindsight made magic like magic's always been a little scummy in that category, but at least like magic, you know, works still. Yu-Gi-Oh, the game that it is now, is completely different. I, I occasionally watched some like tournaments of it. I'm like, what the fuck are they playing what's well, Yu-Gi-Oh? no i know what i'm watching this is not the same game it used to be like what's this like what are these genesis things they're doing this is great this is practically <laughs> in a yeah i i didn't f- realize you had such strong feelings about Yu-Gi-Oh. i i don't i just <laughs> it, i played the game and i got to watch the game get like really weird in a very short period of time and i had one friend that like coughed up a thousand bucks to make a tournament level deck and then that deck got stolen and it was like this bizarre weird week of him being like guys we'll, oh, we'll fucking play with you what you have a garbage deck now we'll go back to playing <laughs> Ah, I, I, I liked the game. I liked the game more than the show did. Like, it was a good, hey, you're in middle school and you don't want to play Magic because Magic's the old card game and you never quite vibed with the Pokemon game. Let's play the game with the Egyptian god bullshit going on. And, like, an angel that shoots your monsters a needle and makes them super powerful for a turn called the Linjection Angel. And you're like, that shouldn't be on a card game. And you're right, but it's also awesome. I... I even before I knew what metal was as a kid, like the more metal you made things, the more I'm like, I'm potentially into this, I think. Like long before I got the connection between like Satan and the and metal and stuff like that, I'm like, I'm into skulls, I think. Like as an eight-year-old, I'm like, I'm into skulls as a design. Why? They're just cool. And then I found metal and I'm like, okay, skulls. Yeah. What if there were more in a band about murder? <laughs> yeah, I uh, that was way too much on the fucking card game of Yu-Gi-Oh. Welcome to the Wicked Awesome cast. Uh, I said it's only just two of us this week. Um, it's been a weird week on mine. I didn't really do much. I played some Outrider. I played some Destiny 2. I, I don't know. I'm just kind of hanging out at this point. Outrider's kind of weird because they have made some pretty major kind of patch changes in the last week which i kind of agree with but also they seem a little bit heavy-handed from the start and i 
it's really so it's really weird kind of playing that game with the hindsight of fucking anthem going oh no one's gonna be fucking talking about you in like three months except the subreddit for you defending it like i think the destiny community's great take off it like it's like oh it's the new destiny killer and they're like oh i love destiny killers i love to watch them pass and fall off a cliff and <laughs> yeah, yeah i yeah the fact that i had the chance to play a lot of outriders last night and i'm like I'm gonna check out Destiny real quick. I think it's all you need to. That is my review of that game. When I had time to play the new game, that's a looter shooter. That I'm like, yeah, I'm digging this game. It's like I should spend these two hours checking out on Destiny. Didn't need to for any reason except I just wanted to play some games and kind of do something mindless. It's like oh, you could play Outriders. I could, or I could play Destiny. Yeah, I might actually get back to playing Destiny again sometime soon. You know, I've just I've kind I, of felt like it occasionally. Cool. Yeah. yeah, well, the the big thing too is that they're now leaving all the seasonal stuff in when you move on from a season, so it's still there. You have until the end of this year to catch up on everything. Well, that's good. That means I like I'd still be able to get like any of the you know gear that's sort of seasonal. For the like seasonal quests and stuff, so I think so. At least the seasonal activities are still around. Like the nightmare hunts are around, but no, uh, not nightmare. The Wrathborn hunts, yeah. I, mostly this season with the battlefields has been a cool one, and the community's decision of what's happening next season, if it's correct, will be cool because Siva is one of the cooler things in Destiny. But we'll see if that actually happens. We shall see. Yeah. Nah, I didn't get up to much. I've been reading some stuff. I feel like I watched something this previous week, but cannot for life of me remember what it was. I watched the pirate documentary on Netflix. It's fine. It's not quite as good as the samurai one that was on Netflix, but again, they got some actors that were just like way into being slightly hammed up versions of historical figures, so it was great. Their Captain Vane is like fantastically like, I'm so evil! Mustache twirling the evil! <laughs> yeah, that's too bad because like the Golden Age of Piracy, there's some there's some interesting stuff there. I mean, it's one of the reasons why Black Flag was so... Yeah, cool. Black Sails. Uh, yeah, sorry, there's two separate things. That. Black Sails is the TV show, which I think it's on almost everything at this point. It's ended. I, it's the last season's a tad weak, but from a, like, hey, we filmed a show about boats, it's a pretty good pirate show, not gonna lie. Like, it's it's the prequel to Treasure Island in the weirdest way possible, and the guy that plays uh, Long John Silver in that thing is fantastic in it. Kills a dude with his, with his peg leg. But yeah, uh, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, there's a lot there, and, you know, there's some definitely, like, colorful characters. I mean... yeah. Uh, and they touch upon there again, like the way Assassin's Creed games usually work is they usually try to bring in actual people that existed and then write a bit of historical fiction about it, which is my favorite is really why I like it so much. But yeah, yeah and that's actually my biggest beef with the Netflix thing was that it it tells the actual stories of what actually happened, which is good. That's what a documentary mm-hmm. should do. It doesn't like it does a couple of characters kind of dirty on the sh- on it though too. Where like 
not not that having a favorite pirate of history is not a giant fucking nerd move, but I like Calico Jack a lot, and he's in it, but like barely in it. They never like bring up his whole. Yeah, I owned an island and was like mayor of it for a long ass time. Like he was arguably the last pirate of that era to get killed. Like he shows, like he has all of like thirty seconds of screen time in the show. It's like, oh, I'm here. I'm going off with Bob with Bonnie now, and we're gonna do pirate shit. Like, and they do her dirty too. Where she, again, she's a fantastic historical figure. Like they yeah. both die like punks, unfortunately, but. Yeah, like from a just like interesting people in history. It's like, oh, we're gonna spend this time on this character. Yeah, you pick the wrong characters to follow, maybe a little bit. Like, there's better characters than Charles Vane. There's arguably in more interesting characters than Blackbeard. Or like, you spent way too much time on the crazy era of Blackbeard, where it's like, what's he up to? He's crazy still. How crazy? Syphilitic crazy? Oh, it's been a half an episode on that again. I'm like, no, fucking, we, we get it. Blackbeard after a certain point, just a fucking scumbag was running out the clock, and he ran out the clock hard and died like a punk. Yeah, I forget the name of the pirate that actually kind of survived into old age and basically retired. I can't remember who that was. I think you're thinking there was a couple, like a bunch of the OG original ones did that. Like, uh, yeah, Hornigold vanished, but like he went back to being a privateer. Like he he did he went full circle of privateer, started the whole revolt, and went back to being a privateer eventually. Um, then got executed. Blackbeard got um his head chopped off. Calico Jack and Bonnie got killed on a boat, if I remember correctly. I, I it's also one of those weird ones too, where I don't remember some of the ends of some of these people being the same from other historical books I've read. So I'm like, I, I this could totally more up to date information. I could be remembering stuff wrong, but I don't think this is how this person died. But also, like a lot of these deaths are so hand wavy, it doesn't actually matter that much. Or it's like you spent yeah. a little time going into some of these characters. It's like, oh yeah, they died in a boat. I'm like, that might be true, but I remember there being more to it than like they died on a boat. Yeah, like yeah, the Calico Jack and Anne Bonnie and that whole crew. Yeah, that's the, the fact it, that Calico Jack's flag became that's the pirate flag. Like that's yep. that's the historical significance levels of how Calico Jack. Like it's the that's Blackbeard's flag. No, Blackbeard's flag sucked. Calico Jack's flag was cool. Yeah. Yeah, and in that regard, Black Sails did a better job of that, because like, the final episode has Calico Jack getting a boat, and they're like, oh, what do you gotta do for a flag? This, it's just like the... It, it, for those who don't know, and this is a video game podcast, we'll move the fuck on from pirates in a second. <laughs> it, like, the stereotypical pirate flag, that's actually Calico Jack's flag. Like That's how infamous that dude was by the time of his death. Like, he was the pirate. Like, in a lot of ways... Like as famous as Blackbeard was, he wasn't anywhere near as successful. Yeah, and and, and you know part of the thing about Jack, and it was kind of interesting that he had you know two female crew members. Where most of the time, a lot of people there were superstitions about having women on board. Yeah, I, uh, what's her name? Not Bonnie. The other one doesn't even show Mary, up in the documentary. Mary yeah. Reed. Yeah, Mary doesn't even show up in the documentary. I'm like, what's Which there is like? Weird. Yeah, I'm like, she's a some, major like, character, and she actually survives, as far yeah. as I know. Yeah, like she's no, but, one of the uh, ones who both Bonnie of, and Reed survived because at least because they were both pregnant. Yeah, they wouldn't hang them. Yeah, I, they touch on that, but yeah, she doesn't. I, Reed doesn't show up at all in it. I'm like, the fuck. There's more to this. 
Uh, yeah, no, that's enough about my ramblings. I, I've been playing with some programs, I guess. Like, I've been messing around with some stuff in that category of life. Uh, helping another podcast, I guess. They're trying to get up off the ground. They were having some audio editing issues. So it's me kind of going, a, okay, what the fuck do I actually do to these podcasts we put up that makes them sound good or sound better than our recordings? Oh, yeah, I should make a list of these, actually. Because some of which it's autopod at this point for me. But that's, yeah. What have you been up to, Henry? Well, honestly, I've been playing too many games. I've been playing a bit on my Genesis and Sega Master System. There's a Sega-thon that the Sega crew is going to be running in mid-May, and I've put up a good number of games I'm going to be playing for it. Essentially, I'm kind of trying to go for games that were a little more not well-known, necessarily, or not everybody will necessarily remember them because they weren't necessarily that rememberable but yeah Sonic uh, 2 the off-brand sonic well and you know it's one of the reasons why i decided to play uh panic for the fmv marathon which yeah that went really well and among the games i want to play valis 3 the valis series which is a well it was a pretty cool little kind of platformer sword fighting magic other world series and uh, play some games out of the Peacock King series, Ujakuo, which came to the U.S. as uh, on the Super- on the Sega Master System as Spellcaster, and then on the Genesis as Mystic Defender. So I'll basically just kind of run a little block of those two of those games, mm. and then possibly be running of some races, like I. Possibly might be doing a race of Chaken the Forever Man. What? <laughs> yeah, that's going to be terrible. Oh, it's going to be awful. And I and I hope that the other person actually is like, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, let's do this. Uh, also might run a uh, race for Rambo for the Sega Master System. And that would also be kind of... If you don't, if, let's just say that if you don't know the game well, that game will ruin you pretty hard. Yeah. There's weird things about it. For example, you can't shoot backwards at all. It's like Akari Warriors, except you can't shoot backwards. <laughs> Why would you ever need to? Uh, yeah. But in any case, yeah, I've, that's main. I haven't been playing any modern games, I suppose, other than just. Still, you know, phone games every so often. Yeah. I have been watching some shows on Crunchyroll. So I've been watching one called Wakaku Zake. And it's basically about a woman who works in a company. And that's not really an important part. Most of the episode takes place after work when she hits up nice restaurants and bars and orders really nice food and drink. Oh, you told us about this a couple weeks ago, I yeah. think, or last and I'm week. Still, and I'm still watching more episodes of it, and it's it's just still very good. Like, I'm still enjoying it a lot. That It's it's nice. And yeah. I like the fact that it actually is going to real restaurants. And the, But in the last couple, in the last episode I watched, whereas before I didn't really go into the liquor, like into what was being drank, this episode actually went kind of into because it was some very specific like sake nihonshu that was being that was being kind of portrayed that was being shown in the episode 
very specific brands. And so I was like, oh, well, yeah, I guess it's not just about the food. I suppose that it's also about the drink too, especially I guess if it's, you know, really nice or, you know, really nice stuff. So like this one episode introduced three different ones. I was like, wow. Yeah. All of a sudden they're actually going, they're actually going into what the character has been drinking as well. So that's pretty cool. Mm. That's a, and that's, you know, whereas I don't have the easy ability to just, you know, hop to Japan and check out these restaurants. I, it's possible I could track down these liquors. So, <laughs> and then just cook what I've seen in the restaurants. But in any case, yeah, that's still watching that. And started watching a brand new anime that's right now in a simulcast. That is, it's being released essentially as quickly as possible. Uh, from uh, So it's not long after it's even been released in Japan that they're subtitling it and releasing it here. This one's about Kabaddi. It's just called Kabaddi. And... Uh, are you familiar with that sport? No, I don't. I'm not actually. Oh, it's so good. It's like a combination of tag and rugby. How do you spell it? K-A-B-A-D-I, I'm guessing? Yeah, well, K-A-B-A-D-D-I usually is the, is one. is, And it's uh, mainly popular in Asia, specifically like in like the like India, like uh, that area. Is this the Extreme Red Rover game? Yeah. Okay, I do know this. I do know Kabaddi. So, for those that don't know, the way the... Alright, so just a kind of a small breakdown of the rules. So, yes, there's two teams, two sides, and essentially, you... One person has to go over... Tries to go over to the other side and tag as many people as possible then make it back to their side without being essentially taken down, tackled, or otherwise prevented. And the stipulation on that is you have to do it in one breath. And so as soon as you cross the line, you have to start essentially start saying kabaddi over and over again to show that you're doing it all in one breath. So you go, so you start saying kabaddi, and then you have to go and tag as many people as possible and then get back. And you can tag, let's just say, kind of hard. Like, you could okay. slap... You could No, you can't kick. You could slap the ever-loving shit out of somebody, though. Like, when you go up to tag them. Like, you could knock them down with a tag if you were so inclined. And you could then, tag with your foot for some reason. So he's like, you don't kick him, could be like, catch him, you can catch him with it. But it could be a thing yeah, I, I think you can. It's... It's generally, uh, but open hand. It's supposed to be open hand. You can't punch. People. Yeah. So you, the, so that is that there are there are different rules sets. There's and rules can vary. Like there is yeah. a variant of the game that's done in a circular arena instead of a rectangular arena. But in any case, yeah. So you and you get a, so essentially, if you manage to cross back into your territory in a breath without being taken down, you. Uh, you gain a point for every person that you tagged. So yeah, uh, it's it's yeah, it's like when it comes to tackling, that's like full on rugby style, just crush him style tackling. When yeah. I say tackling or tripping, essentially, it's not really the tackle that that 
if you're tackled, doesn't mean that you're out. Like you can still slip out. It's if it's still all in one breath. If you just basically run out of breath after being, you know, tackled or whatever, that's that's when it runs out. But yeah, if you're still able to say kavadi and in the single breath and wiggle out of a tackle and get back to your or just pull people, which I've seen this happen, just literally drag people to back to your at least get a hand or anything over the line, then you get those points. So there's so there is a lot of kind of stuff in both avoiding getting tagged in the first place and then in trying to tackle them and prevent people from yeah, getting Yeah, I've seen a bunch of wrestling I, I found a video of I'm seeing a bunch of wrestling moves I know from back when I did that. Oh yeah, like that's that's the yeah, it's it's basically ends up being Oh, it's takedowns. Yeah, yeah it's the yeah, take, shots all sorts of takedowns. And so yeah, the Anime is about a high school club that plays kabaddi, and that's pretty much. What is it. the most outlandish kabaddi quote technique they've done so far? Like, is there like some piercing dragon uppercut spiral technique or something, or is it pretty? They're going to get to that point. There are they were kind of easing into it. So essentially, the first episode consists of them of the team trying to get people to join. And the uh, one of the main characters is this guy who played soccer previously mm. and got famous for it, but hated the fame because of all the jealousy and just all the other kind of... Oh, sure, what every high schooler hates is being famous, yeah. Well, uh, getting people people being jealous and being shitty to him because Fair. they're jealous and treating him like shit, basically, and just all the pressure. and just, he's just So he just, like, hates fucking sports. He's, like, decided he kind of hates sports and doesn't want to join anything. But kind of gets dragged it through some machinations, gets dragged into joining this Kabaddi club. So the first thing he runs into is one of the, uh, well, it's kind of giving things away, but I'll, I'll say this. The character that he doesn't really expect to be like really good and really strong is for certain reasons. And it's just like made of steel. Like a small, kind of a smaller looking guy, but dude is like made of steel. <laughs> but yeah, it's yeah, it's already fascinating and fun, and it's over the already just from the first episode over the top. I love these these anime that go so deep into the sport, yeah, and then also go wild about the uh, you know kind of the abilities and moves. Well, it's like the what about sumo? that I watched not, you know, about what, six months ago or something. Yeah. That I that I talked about. Which also has the absolute had the absolutely wild, crazy, over the top moves, but was also technically very precise about how sumo works and the different techniques. And it seems like the same for Kabaddi. They're really going into sort of the technique involved into it. As and the type of athleticism, and I'm sure we'll start to see more absolutely wild techniques utilized in it, like some crazy type of takedown no. or or avoiding abilities to avoid tags, things like that. But yeah, huh? it's it's wild, and yeah, I'm already enjoying it. It's only it, only two episodes have been released so far, but and it's it's super good, and I definitely recommend it. 
And yeah, yeah I have the member, you know, I have the kind of premium membership, so I can watch it as soon as it comes out. So I'm definitely, I'm definitely waiting for the new episodes to come out and yeah, yeah really excited about it. <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's what I've been up to this week. Not bad week. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of wish. I'm going to have to watch more Kabaddi. It's not the game I was thinking of, which is indeed like full contact Red Rover, but this one also is kind of of that same, you can play this with a yard and nothing else. Yep. Yeah, you don't need any equipment. It's just, and that also makes it just kind of easy for anybody to play. Yeah. You could just draw some lines in the ground and then play. And also like the number of players, there's not a set number of players either. So we can just play with any number of people. Even teams, hypothetically. Yeah, yeah, even teams. But yeah, as far as like how many people are required on each team, that's kind of up to you if you just feel like playing Kabaddi. But it's it's a great, it's a cool game. I like watching it actually. Like I've just watched it live. I, I'm not. I think I both think I'd like to play it, and also I'm not sure I'd like to play it. If you get, you get what I mean, that that would. That game is pretty intense. That is a heck of a combat sport. It's the kind of game that I can see it escalating in bad ways very quickly. I guess if that makes any sense, I. Yeah, if you have people that, yeah, yeah you need you need good sportsmen. You well, not, as, as, good as good sportsmanship. As, you know, it's as, gonna sound strange. It, it is a sport you could not play in the U.S. Just given kind of how competitive everyone is like it's a sport that you need to kind of be able to have a line in your brain of okay we play up to this point because it's a game like the the number of people i know that like get injured on flag football teams because they go all the fucking way Jeez. out it's like it's like I, it, you guys you're an account right no but on the grid you're not some fucker you're on a you're on a fucking high school field playing flag football and you cracked one of like, you cracked two of your friends ribs stiff arming them you fucking idiot yeah yeah i can see that i mean that's the thing it's like kabaddi it's generally frowned upon to injure each other yeah, it's it's like you're gonna give you you're gonna end up with some you know good bruises from Kabaddi, but yeah, I've, it's it's really frowned on to injure somebody. Like it, like that that would everybody would look at you like you were a monster. No, yeah, if you, I, just, I, I like, always, if you broke somebody's ribs, it's like what's wrong with you? I, I always go back this to the, the game, fact that, dude. <laughs> no, I always go back to the fact that when I was like, I think it was my first year in LA or something. I had a friend that they didn't do it, but they were on a like intramural basketball team where intramural probably like I got under 30 basketball team that's just like they were terrible everyone in their league was terrible but like someone accidentally elbowed someone hard enough they broke their collarbone like it's like what the fuck is going on like and what's wrong with you it it was like it was like they elbowed someone they went into like a post that was near the outside of the court or something but it was like just it it was some of those ones i'm like i used to wrestle like legit wrestle and this is insane by my standards yeah like this is for fun, correct? Yeah. Okay, this is American competitism. Got it. <laughs> we can't play yeah. nice. Yeah, I, I think I think I kind of see your point. Yeah, yeah you, you, you need you need a good crew of people to play Kabaddi that know. You just need a different kind of sports culture, I think, too. Yeah, you can't have people in there that are like willing to just go nuts and like injure people. Like I said, yeah, it, like it's. It's really frowned on to injure people in Kabaddi. It's not a 
that's not a thing that it's yeah that's 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 a big no no <laughs> that's the why you know, like i said you can't you can't use a closed fist like when you're striking yeah, it, it requires the people. same kind of sports culture that could embrace simultaneously the incredibly low scoring game of soccer slash football, the actual football that can end in a tie and simultaneously enjoy cricket, a game that can be 99 to zero and still a close game. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think is insane, but it's one of the, it's the only thing I know about cricket except for how like the fundamental aspects of that game work, but the fact it can be 99 to zero and still a close game is just something I find absolutely fascinating. But that's either here nor there. This is not world sports. <laughs> Ready for news? Sure, let's do some news. Right, I'm going to start off this week with the the news of the PSA to fucking respawn games. And it's that you need to fucking stop hurting us, Titanfall fans. <laughs> titanfall oh. 3 was trending on twitter for a big chunk of last week because uh respawn got out there it's like titanfall fans should look forward to the next season of apex legends and collectively everyone in the titanfall community was like oh, titanfall 3 followed by don't do this to us don't give us hope just give us fucking titanfall 3 already we don't even want to know what's happening just like get out there one day and be like we've released titanfall 3 we'll all be like oh shit that's the correct way of doing this just give us the multiplayer mode. It's like as much as we want that titanfall 2 campaign we'll take a multiplayer only game like put all the free-to-play bullshit in the game we have to pay for you you want just let us have titanfall 3 or titanfall 2 on modern consoles please yeah i that's all there is for this really like i we have uh, we've been told to get excited for next season where a bunch of titanfall stuff is coming to apex and if they fucking add a pilot to that game as a playable hero i'll become an apex legends fan right now here and there i'll say that right now if they give me that level of motion i don't even fucking care about the titans that much like if that's not in the game cool whatever if they add the wall running and other stuff that made playing a Playing that game as multiplayer, the pilot stuff, fun. Guess what? I will play that game. I don't yeah, even like that game. Yeah, it'd be interest, interesting if they actually choose to put in some of the you know mechanics. Like that's that that, but that's kind of a big deal. If that's some coming, of them that's, are already there. So like the, the basis of some of them are already there. It's not the speed, I guess. I know we've talked about this in the past. I'm not going to rehash it too much. Like part of what the Titanfall Two community likes about the game is just it's it is one of the fastest multiplayer games out there. Not fast in the same way that like uh, CS:GO is. I mean, like your characters are fast. Like the mobility you have in that game is ridiculous ridiculous to this day kind of thing like and it works well and it's why kind of when you see people that play that game really well they do cool shit with it because it's open to that level of interpretation of how to play that game and i was never some titanfall master fuck i played on the ps4 primarily like i wasn't on the pc craziness stuff but yeah i it, it titanfall 2 is still one of the best underrated multiplayer games out there and there's a reason it's still viable in certain areas like people are still fucking playing that game which is great except for the fact that we would like a titanfall 3 already and 
saying, hey, Titanfall fans are going to love next season of Apex Legends does nothing but hurt us at this point because we don't want to play the free-to-play hero shooter. We want to play Titanfall. (laughs) And unless you're adding a fucking pilot to Apex Legends, don't say, hey, fans of Titanfall are going to love next season of Apex Legends because we're not. No, there's just going to be some crying and gnashing of teeth. I my biggest fear is they <laughs> add the main character from the second game. I think his name was Sam or something, who is a cool character. It's got a cool design to him. Like in a game with kind of generic looking sci-fi soldiers, the fact they managed to make that guy stand out some is cool. He's got kind of a neat look to him as far as pilots go. He's a good pilot by all measures. Like part of the game's story is that you get a Titan and you prove yourself worthy of having a Titan, and that's a cool story for that game, but neither here nor there. If they just add him as a hero that is crazy kind of ability to wall run forever and stuff, y'all fucked up. Y'all fucked up hard. We'll get our pitchforks and our torches and then do nothing with them, but we'll be sad in the corner going, why do they hate us? It was the Buffalo Wild Wings cross promotion. We didn't get invested in that enough, wasn't it? But yeah, it was this fantastic evening on the Titanfall 3 hashtag on Twitter. and Just everyone in there was sad. We're like, we thought they were announcing Titanfall 3 and they're not. It's never happening, is it? Not so long as Apex Legends keeps fucking printing money. But that's neither here nor there. Let's talk about Outriders real quick for a hot second. So, uh, we're not going to dig into it much here, but there's been a whole kind of endgame toxicity stuff. I'm sure once I get there, we'll all have more to talk about then. We are going to talk about the fact that there now exists in that game a inventory wiping glitch. So, in a game all about grinding for loot and racking up those sweet items with the perfect rolls, guess what can happen now? Womp womp. Yeah, and... It's part of why I'm not playing a lot of it right now. Again, I don't have that much stuff to lose, but the idea of just losing my inventory still annoys me some. I The last week for Outriders has been an interesting week uh, with some of the nerfs they're announcing, the fact that the class I play is getting kicked out of endgame kind of content lobbies and stuff. I... Uh, we have gotten to Destiny Endgame toxicity levels in record time. Without Congratulations. Somehow. Yeah, it's... I, even the Destiny one didn't get this bad this quick, and it's a thing. Like, this is... I don't want to say impressive, because that's rewarding shitty behavior, but it's something. I, it's... It got there fast, especially for a game with, you know, no PvP. <laughs> It got there fast, but that's neither here nor there. Hopefully they fix it, but I, like I said earlier, as of this recording, there is no fix yet. Yeah, no fix as of right now. Um, There's other problems with that game, I think, though, too. They're going to have to address, like, balancing some. I... It's yeah, yeah. I I stand by. I think that game is still fun, but I also stand by. It's weird playing the next anthem. And knowing it's the next anthem, because once we're all sick of this game, and we will be sick of this game because it's got some problems from a kind of repeatability standpoint. Maybe the end game's fantastic. I don't know. I haven't gotten to it yet, but uh, yeah, it's if you think that the division's a little bit kind of not bombastic enough for you, this is better. But I still think like 
of the what five major loot shooters out there you could be playing right now, Destiny's still the best option. But if you're on Game Pass, which I think a large chunk of the population on Xbox is, you're quite happy because you got that game for free, so congratulations. Yeah. Moving on from that, let's talk about E3 2021 that's happening, but it's also going to be all digital and free. So, you know, like E3 most years is for people. Yep. So it's going to exist. Sony has not gotten involved with it at all, though, yet, interestingly enough. Well, I mean, they have, uh, you know, they they have a uh, a fighting game. Oh, yeah, game. no. <laughs> To deal with so yeah they own evo now yep they're, they're above that e3 bullshit at that point they're big they got something real under the belt they have their own awesome convention oh god what if evo and like psx merge mm. that'd be so cool <laughs> come for the video game announcements stay for the best fighting game fights in the world oh if they put like in an octagon i they're never going <laughs> to do it, but it's one of those ones where what I've always wanted for the finals of Evo is from the put up like the UFC octagon and then make people play video games in the octagon or in a boxing ring or something. Like I, uh, There's a fighting game, I think it's, it's Georgia or Florida, I can't remember which one, where they put up like the wrestling ropes around where the guys play stuff through the entry whenever they enter. And as a result, there's a like, ring entrance competition every year, and it's great. Yeah. <laughs> And start off as kind of like a tongue-in-cheek thing, but escalated to like ninja fights as this guy's like walking down to play Street Fighter or something, and you're like, this is great. People should spend money on this. Like, this is absolutely the correct way to have a fighting game tournament. Like, have your player like murder nine dudes on the way over to play some fucking Street Fighter. Yes. But yeah, no, E3 2021's gonna be real. It's coming back in June. I think it's June 12th is the date it kicks off on. For most of us that have enjoyed E3 digitally for years. Uh, congratulations, it's back, and nothing will have changed. That's E3 for you. Uh, where do yep. you go from here? Yeah. I, I, for one, am looking forward to what this year's E3 is like, because I think it's going to be telling for the future of E3, if you will. Uh, we should talk about this as part of Outriders, I guess, too. So if you have a certain NVIDIA GPUs, with um, Anseli, you can actually pause that game in solo, which is a big deal because you can't do that normally. Yeah, so what Ansel allows you to do is essentially pause the game and move the camera around to take you know better screenshots, essentially. But yeah, essentially, because it does pause the game to do so, at least in single-player mode, it will pause Outriders, uh, which... You know, if you're that is if you're playing solo, which honestly that's kind of nice. <laughs> Seeing as you can't do that by default, yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Yeah, that's it for Outrider news for this week, though. I will talk about things no one wanted, I guess, um, or people wanted, but uh, bad transition. Let's talk about The Last of Us 2. So there's been rumors, nothing confirmed yet, but it sure looks they're, like they're about to remake The Last of Us 2 for PS5 because of fucking course they're going to, and honestly, well, in hindsight, why did they put that game out already? 
Well, the first one there. Sorry, you're right. Remaking. Last of Us One. My bad. I'm brain tied today. Yeah. I... Yay! Last of Us on the PS5. Just what everyone wanted. It didn't come out that long ago. It was Actually, a PS3 game. Years. It was a remake on PS4, though. True. Okay. Yeah, that's why I. Yeah, the remake on PS4. I guess that's why I'm getting that confused. But now we're going to get a PS5 remake. Okay. Sure. See, <laughs> I, guess they just want to, I guess they just want to be able to sell it again. Well, and I, the weird thing is, remember, PS4 games run on PS5. Mm-hmm. So it's not clear if they'll get that whole upgrade for free, but probably not. Because that's how these types of things work. Moving on from that, though, we've got, for a certain group of people, some real big news. The rest of us, they're kind of confused as to what the fuck we're talking about. Neo, the world ends with you, returns on July 27th. So if you've never heard of this game, you're not in some minority. You're, this, I think, game sailed over a lot of people that were outside of a certain community's heads. But it's a cool game. Yeah, it's a very cool game. It was for the D, uh, DS. Yeah. Like the first one was for the DS. It came out a few years ago, quite a few years ago, and it was pretty rad. The premise is cool. The game itself was fun. So, but yeah, we're going to see a sequel finally. Was this the one that had the, like, if you died, you had a mechanic, like, if you managed to beat the fight within a certain amount of time, like, it had, like, a sudden death mechanic or something at the end where you had, like, a final stand you went like ultra powerful that you could bust through the rest of the level i think it was like in 30 seconds or something you then complete the level still or i'm thinking of a different game uh honestly i don't remember it's been like like a lot of years since i've (laughs) done anything with that game because it came out in 2007 yeah so yeah but in any case no this one's got some major upgrades to it it's going full kind of 3d brawler stuff to it it's it looks good. Yeah, it looks it's, nice. It's for certainly a group of people that I'm not necessarily part of, but I'm happy for them. Like, it, If you have a friend that's a fan of this franchise, you know because they will not shut the fuck up about this game. Yeah. Rightfully so, but... Yeah. It's kind of like me and Nocturne. Moving on from that, though, uh, Deathloop, which was supposed to come out... I think it's next month. Yeah, yeah. right. Has been delayed till September 14th. Not a huge delay, but also probably more delayed than people expected. Uh, normal kind of sightings of COVID and all that funness for the time being. So, yeah. Uh, sorry if you were super hyped for that game. Not too long to wait for it. Hopefully it does not get delayed again. But what things have they been going? We shall see, I suppose. A game basically about time travel being delayed. Yeah. It's it's not so much about time travel, it's just kind of like more like repetition and perfecting the perfect run, which Yeah, it's more like Groundhog Day. Yeah, well in the same way that like releasing Last of Us Two during a pandemic was Maybe a poor choice, but also I get it. You have to stick to your schedules. Like, yeah, we have an awesome, we have a game people want to play to play. Awesome. But like, man, I'm not sure I needed the, I know, like, I don't, I didn't need the human darkness simulator given everything going on right now. Yeah. I'm not trying to groundhog day of the game when time feels stagnant and kind of like it's a uh, movie strip slightly at this point. 
It's like, oh, you're almost out. No, you're not. No, you're almost out. No, you're not. But yeah, no, that's that's it for our kind of basic game news this week. We do have one of our fun, by fun, I do mean it sarcastically in this case, the controversial stories. Let's talk about Five Nights in Fallujah, a game that we've uh, touched that's on. That's six days in Fallujah. Sorry. What do I think that game's Five Nights? Six Days in Fallujah. You're thinking about Five Nights at Freddy's. I think I am. You are absolutely right. Yeah. So no, six, six days, days in Fallujah. Six Days in Fallujah. It's We talked about this game in the past being kind of a why exactly? Like, who is this for at this point? And we don't know the answer, but we're not happy with the answer. Well, turns out a bunch of people are also not happy with the answer. So uh, what's the exact name of this group? Care. The Council on American-Islamic Relations yeah, is... Yes, CIR. Yes. So they and, are requesting that Microsoft, Sony, and Valve do not host or distribute this game because essentially they say it, it's... Uh, for, for them, uh, specifically for them, they say that it's... Essentially they feel like it's normalizing violence against Muslims in America and around the world and that it dehumanizes Muslims. And, yeah, uh, I mean, it's... So that's, yeah, that's their that's their main problem with it. And, honestly, I mean, I... All right, so I think it's, there should be some time taken for, for the, at least an early version to be sent to care and other people that are yeah, you know, I, would have concerns with it. I hope that that's what these developers are planning on doing, sending out an early pre-release version to these groups to see, you know, to, you know, get their perspective on it. Because no, it I is, think it's, it, it's one of those ones where if the game is done, like, we're not saying you can't inherently do games about the subject matter, but it's a subject matter that like you have to do correctly with a certain level of tact that, nothing about this game has shown it's going to go about like neither of us have played this game yet so like in it this game is indeed kind of you know going into the human aspects of things like it could be a surprise spec ops the line which was a despite being a third person shooter a weirdly human story about war atrocities and how fucked they were and how you were the bad guys the entire time Yep. Spoilers, I guess. Like, there, there's room in gaming space, I think, for a ga- another game like that. I think it's increasingly important. Like the fact, the reason you don't see lots of Vietnam video games is specifically because you know making games about that time period is almost impossible. Yeah. Mechanically, not so much. Everything surrounding them, though, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. So, and this is the fact that this is, yeah, it's it's still very recent. Like the, when this happened was very recent, and I mean you. This isn't a political podcast, so I don't want to really go into exactly why this is, you know, how problematic this is. But this is this is a case where a lot of Iraqi civilians died and yeah, were, were killed. Not died, were killed, and this is. And so far, everything everything we've gotten from the developers so far has been basically, yeah, essentially, yeah, it's just Call of Duty. And that's for something, I don't like the Call of Duty games, frankly speaking. Like a lot of those, like, I, I don't like them. I think I don't like the glorification of being in the military in general. Like we've kind of, 
we've talked about that. Like that's that that type of propaganda shouldn't be allowed to exist. I think. and I think, and we've also talked about in the past too that some Call of Duty games have done a better job of that. Like the most recent yes. ones, not so much, but the older ones at least had some kind of maybe not a ton of discussion because they were still the Michael Bay of video games, but. They at least often had kind of, okay, yeah, no, you guys aren't the good guys necessarily. Again, that's why I brought up um, Spec Ops The Line, which yes. has a fantastic reveal at multiple points throughout the game. Like going back and contextualizing that game, knowing what you're doing in that game, I think is a powerful gaming experience, despite the fact that it's a face value, decent military third person shooter cover game. Like it. it it has a twist you do not see coming, I guess, for what that game sold itself as and what it appeared to be on the surface, and people responded well to that. Yeah. In a like holy shit kind of way. But I don't feel like they're gonna do this with, yeah. with with this with this game. And there again, like I think that it would be good, at least goodwill for them to release early versions so that you know groups like Care and other groups that are concerned can take yeah. a look at it and you know, see you know, it's kind of like what happened with the the t- terrible colonization MMO that Amazon has been putting out. Some people they did give some people a chance to take a look at uh, you know early versions and early looks at the game, and then it was just like, this is yeah, bad. this is this is bad. This is real bad. So hopefully that they'll they'll take the same tack here and be and you know show it to these groups, and then let the groups then you know get to make a you know, a educated decision on an informed decision on, you know, what, you know, what, how they feel about the game. But so far it doesn't seem like they, that's, I'm going to say this. I'll be really surprised if they don't just put out exactly what we're all suspecting they're going to put out. Yeah, that is, all the advertising just, and the buzz has not indicated that there's anything more than military game. Yeah. And, yeah, it's this is a game that doesn't need to exist at all. There's, um, yeah, I, yeah, I think it's yeah. I don't know. There again, it hasn't been released yet, but I don't think that is there's anything promising that it that, about its release. I don't think there's anything that good could that could come out of it. We shall see. I'm sure it's not the last we've heard on this game, for better or worse. On a happier na- gaming note, let's talk about Pac-Man 99, which we talked about previously as, holy shit, there's a lot of Pac-Man in that game. Yeah, I've actually watched some people play it. I don't have a Switch, so I haven't played it. But Yeah, I guess with all that being said, it is a Switch Online exclusive Battle Royale. Uh, it's Pac-Man 99, y'all. Yeah, so works very similarly to Mario uh, 35, or yeah. So it is you're fighting against 99 other people and you can kind of attack choose to attack them. You power up your your Pac-Man by just eating more pellets and stuff and and that actually gets you more speed and it makes your it makes your power pellet time last longer. Yeah, it looks pretty wild. I've never been a big fan of Pac-Man games. Me neither. So, but it looks, I mean, the people that I've seen watch playing it, they have enjoyed it. So, I mean, I think if you like Pac-Man, you'll like the game. That is, it's not, it's, 
it's it plays like Pac-Man. There's nothing. There's a few additions to that, but for the most part, it's just like you're playing a board of Pac-Man. Well, it's kind of like the best Pac-Man games at this point. Not necessarily pure Pac-Man, even like they have other stuff going on. The Pac-Man scene, which does unironically exist, kind of thing. And but it's not that far away from it either. Yeah. So the only real changes are if you kind of gobble up these sort of in uh, sort of ghost outlines, then it kind of puts a tail behind one of the ghosts. Whenever you chomp a power pellet, all of those ghosts behind that ghost are now chompable and you'll get you all of those become an attack on somebody yeah. else's board. So yeah, instead cool of like system. Yeah. So I mean, it, but like I said, it doesn't go that far away. There's not any other types of power-ups. Power pellet is it. And you you go around the maze, eat power pellets, eating the fruit will restore pellets in the maze, like all the pellets in the maze. Yeah. So, and but yeah, that's fruit. But that's the only real changes here. There's nothing I'll say this, it's it I think it's pretty close to just a you know, basic Pac-Man game, you know, without, you know, without adding in any really crazy power-ups, it's, yeah, it's, it's kind of basic. It's as close as you could get, given the fact that it's still a Battle Royale somehow. Yeah, so, yeah, and I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. It seems to be well-received so far. Yeah. I wonder if Billy Pac-Man Mitchell's 99. playing it. Yeah. I'm actually really curious if Billy Mitchell's playing uh, it. Is he allowed to? <laughs> it's Kong he's banned from. What am I saying? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I I think kind of the biggest flaw in this is that it is only on Nintendo Switch, and that means you're stuck dealing with Nintendo Online, which is still a terrible online service. But, you know, with the Pac-Man 99 not exactly having massive demands for the online system, it's I'd probably like fine. I'd like think that, but I don't know. I always want to believe it's like, oh, it's small and it won't be a problem. And I found those small games, not necessarily on the Switch specifically, but it's like, this shouldn't be a problem. Why the fuck is it? Moving on from that, though, we've got kind of more of our less gamey, more game industry news. We've got some acquisitions to bust through real quick. Embracer has completed its acquisition of Gearbox for $1.8 billion. Billion with a B, not an M. So it's a million to be a pretty big steal at that point. Anyone could buy Gearbox at that point. Uh, it's not clear. I don't think exactly what this acquiring means. It's kind of part of the thing. It's part of the ongoing trend we're going through right now of game comp of larger companies buying game companies because it seems to be a good way to make money. So yeah, Gearbox's last game was Borderlands Three. So maybe we'll see a Borderlands Four faster this time. Who knows? Maybe it'll be better. It's not clear to me, though, if um, uh, Pitchford will be staying with the company, though, with this. I think so. There's nothing. Yeah, there's been no there's been no talk about. Yeah, that at all, whether the leadership will remain there or, you know, which, you know, it's kind of common for these buyouts that they will just leave a lot of the leadership there. Just so they, you know, the. So essentially, they want they want to be able to buy something, and it still runs mostly autonomously. They don't really have to micromanage it from their level. Yeah, I guess we'll see. 
No, I, I only bring that one up because like Gearbox's whole thing was Randy Pitchford did own Gearbox at the end of the day. It was it was a kind of unique sole ownership type of situation, not sole ownership, but like very public ownership situation for a company that was very large by all games company measures. They did yep. publishing, they did their own development. Like, yeah, it's it was maybe not a unique situation, but a different situation, if you will. Yeah. But that's the thing. Which acquisition shall we go to next? So I won for this week? Uh, no, uh, Ubisoft. Oh, right. Yeah. So they've acquired anti-cheat software dev GameBlocks specifically for the purpose of bringing it into their own online system. So just to have it as sort of built into their own online systems, which yeah. makes sense. Yeah. yeah. You know, like none of us really like cheating. And so I'm not, I definitely don't have a problem with anti-cheat software as long as it's not sort of invasive to the, to your computer. God, what was the one that we were so up in arms about? A couple like Venmo or something? Yeah, it was the one for a uh, Riot's game, yeah. uh, Valorant. Yeah, that that yeah that loaded in some really like wh- why is this so invasive type of uh, yeah the very invasive for me is I don't think software. they took that thing out. I no, think they didn't. Like, Stop giving a fuck about it, which proves i guess my fear on that one which was it's super easy to complain about this until it's the big thing on twitch yeah they did a kind of thing about it i for, I, I forget what their answer to that was but it was a weird non-answer where it like kind of deinstalls but it kind of doesn't no it's yeah but in any case yeah i'm fine with anti-cheat software as long as it's not like taking over your computer that's all it's not that's not really necessary. But yeah, in any case, yeah, uh, Ubisoft is just going to roll it into their online system. Or at least that's so that's the plans that they've uh, announced. I'm not seeing it. Was this the one they were using previously that's acquired the company for it? Because they've obviously had anti-cheat previously. I'm just curious if this was the same anti-cheat they've used in the past. Because their stuff's been okay, except for the division. Which that wasn't so much cheating; that was people finding exploits. Yeah. yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'm not sure. They might have been just. I think maybe Ubisoft was just using an in-house system, yeah. possibly. Uh, in any case, yeah, they they're going to just roll in the fair fight system yeah. into the uh, one the one game hosting platform. I guess kind of on this topic, but a little bit differently. Uh, don't nod. Who we've talked about several times in the past. We talked about this once when it was a different company. They're branching out into third-party publishing. So a game that's published by Squeenix will now be doing third-party publishing? Okay. Don't not split from Squeenix. I'm just forgetting about this fact. I mean, uh, I don't... uh, No, no, they're in... They've gone, yeah, they've gone into self-publishing. You know, oddly, like, one thing we have reported on was that Tencent actually bought a, uh, a uh, chunk. Bought, bought a chunk of the company. So they are, par- they are part-owned by Tencent, which is bizarre because, well, as I've mentioned before, Don't Nod's games probably will have no chance of making it past uh, sensors in China. 
sensor, the sensors in China. Probably has zero chance of passing. I don't think any of the games have ever been released in, in China. Uh, so, so it's weird. I'm not sure anything in the first game would be actually objective. I don't know the censorship rules. I'm not going to say that. But, like, there's nothing overt about them. This kind of, like, at least the first one just kind of exists in a lot of ways. The prequel to it and the sequel is definitely after that. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know the rules for that stuff, though, even remotely. Who knows? Congrats on branching into self-publishing and other publishing. I'm still... Like, the announcement came as part of Squeenix's press thing a couple weeks ago, too, so that's still a weird relationship to... Yeah, I mean, there's... Yeah, yeah that is weird that they're still using a publisher. But I yeah. think they are... They have been moving... Yeah, they're... I mean, Twin Mirror is public, is self-published. Yeah. Their newest game. And that it may be a situation where, like, the quote... I could imagine Square Enix owns Life is Strange, but Life is Strange was successful enough that they can kind of do their own thing simultaneously. You can have like two dev houses inside of a dev studio in theory. That makes sense. Yeah, I don't know. It's a strange relationship. Either way, congrats. I'm sure it all yeah. makes sense eventually. Atari is kind of doing something similar. I know Atari, the company that made that a uh, speaker hat. Well, they're splitting off into two divisions as well. They're doing Atari games and Atari blockchain. I it's, actually don't I, know which one previously existed in a more prominent way. I I didn't realize that Atari had its own crypto called Token. Yeah. It was I, one of the ones that kind of happened around the Dogecoin era of, of cryptocurrencies. It did not take off. It did not really do anything, as far as I remember. I don't think I even own it as a joke, but it was out there. It's been out there. Which is weird, because, yeah, now they're devoting an entire branch to deal with it. Okay? Yeah. To be fair, a branch might just be like one person at a desk in a room <laughs> or something like that. Like You can call anything a branch if you want. Well, this is Dave. He does the Bitcoin stuff, and the, the rest is everyone one, else. Sorry, at least one person that is going to be it is the former CEO is actually going to focus on the blockchain stuff. I like to imagine this is like we're not firing you for your dementia; we're just putting you on blockchain technology. Figure it out. Yeah, it's that's weird. I, but. In any case, but now they also have a games division, which, of course, they put out the Atari VCS. That's which, not even the... All right, that's... How did that... that Atari. How did that do? I don't even know how well did the Atari... Did it actually VCS. come out? I don't think it came out. No, it came out. Did it? Yeah. The fact that I'm not sure, that should tell you all you need to know about the Atari VCS. Yeah, um, I... The fact that if I go to Atari VCS, the first thing that pops up on a quick search of it is eBay. Um, maybe not the... Okay, so I went to the Atari VCS website, and it still says I can pre-order this thing. Yeah, I guess it's so not I don't think out. it's out yet. Yeah, I guess it's not out yet. Some of their other classic console stuff is yeah, out. Yeah, the, the retro stuff they did, yes. the um, Flashback. The, yeah, the VCS that I have found singularly fascinating because it's bringing back the wood panel console, which really, I own a PS5 right now. If I could buy a wood panel, if it came default out of box wood panel, like you'd have sold me on that instantly. <laughs> Just saying, Sony, like, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not even talking like good wood, I'm talking like the shittiest plastic wood you could possibly do. I'd be in on that. I want that because it's terrible. 
I'm a bad person, but yeah, oh, I guess I guess some early ones have been shipped to their early backers. That makes sense. Yeah, I think the yeah, that, but that was very recent. Out. That was in December. So it's been in production. It's been in kind of pre-production and production for quite a while. I stand by the fact that we're confused as to how out there or not out there this thing is. Should tell you all you need to know about this console. Like uh, f- at the same time, fuck us. Like this might be the new Nvidia Shield, which. As a console, it's kind of eh. As a multimedia control device, it fucking kicks ass. So we might be wrong in a couple of years, but yeah, this is this one's weird. I don't know who this is for. Uh, anyone with four hundred dollars to spend on an Atari VCS—that's who it's for. Yep. Holy shit! This thing's four hundred dollars. Yeah, that seems wrong. Again, watches all these hot takes just age like sour milk, and they're like in like nine months being like, man, we were so wrong with the Atari VCS. Sony, Microsoft, Steam, Epic Games, uh, Google Store, Apple Store, fuck all those posers. Atari, man, back at it. That quantum drive they have in there is amazing. <laughs> I don't expect us to be there, but it'd be no. funny if we were. Yeah, it would be great. Yeah. I guess indirectly speaking about Apple. Let's talk about Apple for a quick second. So, uh, Apple's new. We've had some fun kind of going through Apple's variety of explanations as to why Apple Store is the way Apple Store is. And by that, we mean the digital storefront. So, they have a new defense in this epic lawsuit. And it's that they have competition, it's just not what most of us would define as direct competition, like their whole idea. The argument basically is that and I'm probably going to botch this some a little bit that like the existence of the PS five, the Xbox series X or the whatever that thing's called at this point, the simple fact that the Google play store exists, that the Epic store exists. That's all technically competition that proves they're not a monopoly. Yeah, essentially they're thinking about like uh, monopoly and competition as sort of like on the wide area of games in general, which I'm not sure how... Yeah, I, I hope that the judge is technically inclined enough to understand the differences, some of the differences and their similarities. Like the Nintendo store is probably the most similar to the Apple store in that it's it's very... Yeah, it, it, it's very walled off. That is, but it's, but I'd say at the same time though too, like it's also the proof that like it's like Nintendo's not really in competition with anyone at this point from a store standpoint. Like their tech, like their their tech physically is worse than their other two major competitors, and they just don't care. They have their own kind of thing going on. Yeah, I mean they have different things going on with their control system and their touch screens and things like that. I mean, so yeah, I think it's. The idea of claiming that anything but the Android space is a direct competitor to Apple, I think, is a problem. I think the difference there is that Apple, you have a long list of options of a how to get programs onto the phone and multiple manufacturers of the phones. I think like it's it should Android, yeah. You can, yeah, sorry, I meant yeah. I think the fact that you can buy different Android physical phones is more proof of okay, yeah, there's options. Apple, it's just Apple. Yeah, and there again, it'd be most uh, comparable to Nintendo, 
and yeah, and and I can and from that perspective, I can kind of see where you know, or or if you're even talking about uh, you know, uh, Microsoft having their own, you know, there's an Xbox store, and you know, PS5 being a, you know having a store for that as well, but well, and I, it's. I- we joke about it too, but like the fact that GameStop's existence is important because that's technically a market competition for the PSN store and for the Microsoft store. Like Nintendo is walled off as they are. You can still go places and buy games well, not directly from Nintendo. Yeah. Well, I'll, yeah. Then, yeah, that's, that's, yeah. And that's what I was about to definitely add is that you can go out and just buy games where it's not through this, through any of those stores. Like you can go to GameStop and, Buy those game, buy a game or whatever. You go to your favorite game store, whatever online or or IRL, and actually buy these games. There's the, you can still buy Switch games. You can buy PS. You'll be able to. You can buy PS5 games. You can buy uh, Xbox Series S and Xbox Series X games. There's nothing preventing you from doing that. Like outside of their store. So that, that, but that's, so I think that's where their argument absolutely fails is that for all, for the three platforms that they're referencing, you aren't stuck only using their store. You just aren't. You can, you could buy from other stores. Whereas with, with any Apple product, you're stuck, or specifically for iPhones, you're absolutely stuck with buying it from their store and that's it for iOS games specifically. So yeah, you can, I couldn't go. I can't go somewhere and buy an iOS game, like at a GameStop. You know, I can't go to GameStop and buy an iOS game. You can't do that. You have to buy it through the Apple Store. So yeah, this and hopefully the judge sees through that. It's it's not the same thing. There again, we're not comparing. We're not comparing similar things here. And I'd also say that, like, not like I don't think either of us necessarily are saying that we think the fact that the PSN is the only real place you can get digital games for PlayStation is correct. I think, like, in the weirdest way possible, Epic is the best thing to happen to Steam because it has a true hey. There's another large competitor that exists. And yes, I know that there are other options for buying games on the PC, but they don't count. Like, when's the last time you actually bought a game through the Ubisoft Store? Never. I've bought uh, no. I've bought games with the Ubisoft store. Really? I bought, I bought more through good old games as well. Yeah. I always forget GOG exists, except for CD Projekt Red games. Yeah, I, I shouldn't like it's a real platform. Yeah, I think it's. I think like HIO, Steam, um, Steam, Epic, and to a lesser extent the Ubisoft stuff. But yeah, GOG, uh, not GOG. Um, what is? Yeah, there's more direct competition on that platform that kind of keeps Steam out of those waters. Where I think, like mentally, we could say it happens, but there, there's competition. There's no, there isn't on Apple. Period. There's no way yeah. of sideloading even, which is something we've talked about in the past too. Yeah, and so yeah, it, Humble Bundle. I've bought games recently from the Humble Bundle website as well, and some of those are Steam. You buy a Steam version, but some of them you just it's, it's a DRM free yeah. version. So download. But yeah, you there again, like there are ways on all these, you know, like I said, on all these platforms that they've that they've referenced here, they aren't exclusive. So making that argument Yeah Sony and Nintendo Microsoft all operate similar walled gardens or closed platform models. No, they don't. 
No, they fucking don't. Yeah. They just don't. That's a, and that just tells me this judge is probably not well equipped to be judging this. Like the judge is no, I don't think this judge is well, technically well equipped enough to be judging on this very technical issue. If you don't have an understanding of how these consoles work and how this game stuff works, you shouldn't be making like the big legal judgments on this. Hopefully the lawyers are, are, will be able to sort of like make the judge more aware of the glaring differences here. Like all they have to mention is I can go to GameStop and buy a PS5 game. I can't go to GameStop and buy a Apple game. Simple. Simple. Literally one sentence explanation. So, yeah, it's 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 worrying when you, I I've always I'm always worried whenever people that aren't at all technically inclined or aware of the digital age at all are making laws and making judgments on things that they are completely ignorant of. Like I, I hate it. I've always hated it when I see people no, in, in lawmaking bottles. Precedence. What's that? This one can set dangerous precedences, I think, too. Like it, it opens up to kind of a very weird set of conversations that most of us would agree are wrong. Yeah. So like when we see these things actually analyzed by people that are actual lawyers, uh, the lawyers are all kind of seem to be like, yeah, there's there's problems here. There's some definite problems here. It's yeah. kind of like it, the thing I was equated to is how like you watch these, what's it like the Senate committee meetings with Facebook and stuff, and they don't get what the problem is. But if you had like any normal person that's a little bit like mildly tech savvy run the questioning, it would just be it would be completely night and day at that point. It's like well. But the thing is, like, there are some people that are, like, I have yeah. seen some representatives in particular that took Facebook to, like, absolutely, like, devastated them, like, uh, devastating, like, My point is line of questioning. Like, it's not, the, yeah, the it's majority not enough. of the channel's not, like, yeah. so what are you doing with my data? They're like, explain to me how the internet works and how many witches are sacrificed a day to make it work. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's the problem, like... And I think it's it's going to be an increasingly less of a problem as the younger generations are obviously going to be more aware of technology, like increasingly aware of technology. I mean, you know, it's at one point I'm, you know, it was the MPAA, like the head of the MPAA, the Motion Picture Association, the Jack Valenti was hated VCRs, hated the idea of videotape. He said that a videotape would kill the Kill the movie industry. And it did. Oh, wait, it didn't. Yeah. So, and that's, and that's the thing. It's, it, it, I think as increase as people are increasingly kind of more aware of the digital atmosphere and just what things are and mean, we'll get less people sort of making kind of honestly ill-informed decisions. Yeah. Like they just don't know. It's not like they're idiots. They just don't know. They haven't been taught these things. They haven't learned about these things. Hopefully the lawyers, and I assume the lawyers, that's things like the lawyers for Epic and Apple are technically inclined. And hopefully the lawyers for Epic will go out, will come up and say, actually, that's, that's a completely false categorization. That's completely wrong. That's, that, that's, that, and I can prove it in one sentence. 
They can prove it wrong in one sentence. So yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Moving on from that, though, to our next news thing, I suppose. Let's talk about Sony for a quick second. And we've kind of hinted at this in the past, and we probably should have talked about this when we were talking about Last of Us, because it does seem to be kind of interwoven. Uh, apparently, kind of Sony's whole, you know, internal city, uh, studio situation, they had kind of an yeah. The autonomy they used to have, it's creating some problems within kind of Sony's internal studios across the board. The We've been slowly following it's the, what we call it, the bleed out of, or was it just sort of Sony studio at that point? Yeah, Plus, I mean, no. yeah, essentially, yeah. So essentially, it's they have a lot of internal studios. Yeah. yeah. Like a lot of people have left. Like a lot of people on the team that made The Last of Us left uh, like last year, like at the end of last year because of essentially not being given autonomy. Like they aren't being given enough autonomy to just do their own thing. The Sony's micromanaging them too, too much and telling them exactly what they want to make be made instead of like letting the studios decide what they would like to make. And it's, yeah, and apparently it's kind of, according to reports, it's created as sort of a hierarchy of favoritism within the company. So that certain studios get supported better than others. Which so, doesn't not make sense, but definitely causes problems if you're all internal studios at that point. Like, everyone has their time in the sun, hopefully, but it's still not a great business practice. You don't want the internal stuff fighting, but uh, yeah, I think kind of most of the takeaway from this is that it sure looks like we'll be seeing more independent studios pop up that were kind of built from the what's the right phrase like the higher the the higher parts or the more successful parts of other internal studios. I'm surprised it hit Microsoft yet, but also they've been gobbling up so many studios may not have had a chance to kind of kick in, but we'll see. I mean, it may be, I mean, that's the thing. It all depends on how much there, again, autonomy that these in diff- different studios are going to be given under a banner. I mean, it could be the case that Microsoft is like, just keep making games. One would hope, <laughs> yeah. We, and that, and that's, uh, that, and that's actually a pretty common way to do it. That is, you buy a company because it's already doing well and you're like, keep doing well. Do that thing you've been doing well, and now we have a cut of that. <laughs> or in the case of Bethesda, make Skyrim not again. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. I mean, and there again, like, we've gotten this after reports of people that have left the company, essentially. It doesn't mean anything necessarily to you, the listener, and or the person that plays the video games, but in the way we kind of keep track of all this stuff, it's it's a trend, and I think it's a troubling trend because for a long time, Sony's whole selling point was they had just fucking badass first-party games, and I don't own a PS5 yet for a reason, I guess is the way I keep going back to. Like, there's nothing, like, they had such a chance to launch with something fucking badass, and the, it seems like the best exclusive it launched with so far is actually, like, the demo for the tech in that thing, which... Seems really cool and really well done, but at the same time, that shouldn't be what I'm excited about for a video game console. There should be some, quote, killer app that comes out at first. 
Hmm. I haven't yeah. said that in a long ass time. Killer app. <laughs> Feels wrong now. All right, we got two more news articles this week. Um, we're gonna kind of save our uh, loot box thing for the end because we do like to end it on a funny note, if you will. But kind of in kind of your positive. What's the reference? Uplifting news of the week. Several gaming company CEOs got out there and kind of reaffirmed, uh, joined. What's the exact correct adjective? Well, they joined a campaign. Yeah. They joined a campaign called Disability In. And it's a campaign to drive disability inclusion. So it's uh, for the advancement of disability inclusion. And it's not just hiring practices. It kind of extends to, you know, everything. Yeah. So, yeah, inclusive environment for players, developers, employees, every, everybody. So, yeah, and yeah, that's a very positive thing. I think it's really good that in the past several years, there have finally been a lot more sort of outreach for people with disabilities uh, in the yeah. gaming community, specifically. That there's more games with you know, uh, with inclusive mechanics and and settings that you can change that make it easier for everybody to play. Yes, yeah, uh, this is like this is a weird one probably to go into, but like as someone who finds the world of accessibility gaming just fascinating from the tech that comes out of it or how they go about going about that thing. I'm super excited to see more of that, I guess. Like as someone who's got a chance to use a couple of the controllers made for one-handed people, they're stick. Cool feels like the wrong place, but the fact that someone spent that much time developing it so everyone else can enjoy the hobby is undeniably cool. I think it's in a couple of cases I'm like, man, they should just make normal controllers like this. This is kind of a badass way to play, period. But yeah, I yeah. and yeah, and I actually picked up a game recently for when for off the Humble Bundle site I uh, called and I mentioned I kind of mentioned in passing but I haven't had a chance to play it yet a blind legend and it's an action adventure audio game it's all audio so there's no graphics yeah you can use a uh, mouse and touch screen to play it but yeah the yeah it's a uh, pretty uh it's pretty fascinating so, yeah, I'm going to, yeah, and I'll be trying that out. I'm just kind of, yeah, uh, but yeah, that's, yeah, I think this is a really good initiative. And like I said, I'm, I'm been happy to see more and more of initiatives like this in the gaming, in the gaming scene in general. I think yeah. it's, it's, it's awesome and I'm pretty happy about it. All right. Last but not least, we have our update on the ongoing UK loot box study and it's not so much a big aha gotcha now moment we've had in the past for some of these things but it is kind of worth going into i guess Uh, you want to give us a summary on this one henry i'm not sure i fully understand the tech jargon on this one well essentially it's comparing it's comparing loot boxes to sort of problematic gambling habits and so research into essentially uh, psychological similarities between gambling and this type of gaming that between, you know, links between loot box purchasing and problem gaming, according to their own website. So, and this is a sort of meta study 
It's bringing together several studies and looking at the comparing and looking at the findings and, you know, uh, looking at, yeah, looking at kind of similarities between the types of people who, who tend to go for loot boxes more heavily. And yeah. And it has its own suggestions as well to kind of improve things. And yeah, it's, yeah, there's, and there's a, essentially one of the findings is there's a definitely a problematic correlation between paying for loot boxes and problem gambling, which problem gambling is, yeah, that's, yeah, talking about gambling addiction essentially. Uh, yeah, it's not, yeah, there again, it's not surprising. But they, but they do, they don't just, but the, I think the good thing is they don't just talk about, hey, loot boxes done like this or like gambling. They actually have some suggestions to kind of uh, uh, basically deal, maybe lighten the harm of loot boxes. For example, uh, that they're clearly marked and cleared. There's a their clear definition of loot boxes of what a loot box is. That there's there are age ratings and there's basically you don't allow people under a certain age to use loot boxes or to engage in loot boxes. Have enforce have it be enforceable as well. A full disclosure of the odds. I've rarely played a game that does that. Uh, one of the only games I can think of that comes to mind that gives you the odds is King of Fighters All-Star. Like, if you click on anything, there's a little glass on every single thing that could be possibly be a loot box. It tells you exactly what you can find and the percentage of getting that item, the percentage chance of getting that item. Because occasionally, like uh, in King of Fighters All-Star, they'll, they'll actually have, like, promotions where you have a slightly higher and sometimes a substantially higher chance to get certain characters from a gotcha role, for instance. But it outright tells you that percentage. I I appreciate that, actually. And I think that actually helps it. So that means that you can understand what your chances are. Uh, other mm-hmm. suggestions by the by this, from the, in this sort of meta study is spending limits. Prices always shown in real currency. Yeah, and that's, have, the, and these are all things we've talked about in the past too. We're just making things part of why loot boxes have always worked is they're not real money. Yeah, yeah, and so yeah, like for example, spending V bucks instead of spending you know having a real you know real world world price put on it. Which yeah, yeah there again, like it's that it's just that enough. That's enough abstraction where you don't necessarily connect. Like, you know, 300 V-Bucks is like $30, $30 or something, or $50. I don't know what the trade is on V-Bucks. Yeah. Or any, but in any case, yeah. Essentially, what it boils down to is, I, I think there's an implicit idea here that loot boxes have been deceptive. And that's really like, you know, that's kind of the in-between-the-lines thing that's going on here is the way that, loot boxes have been portrayed and sold has been very deceptive. I mean, the UK, once again, straight up like the, their gambling commission, EA went to them and called it surprise mechanics. And the commission basically just stared at them like, no, you don't, uh-huh. that's, that's completely asinine. 
<laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah, it's yeah, it's it's a yeah. Instead of trying to hide, like, it, it, but that's I mean that's why they want to avoid it. I mean that's how they make their money is by deception. That's how they no, made their think, money so and far. There's a reckoning deception. coming for a variety of these things. I think like you have just kind of as the general kind of tech knowledge of people that get to make decisions on these topics increases because we'll just the people that grew up with this stuff age into it. Mm-hmm. A lot of the same bullshit doesn't work. I think like it's, we don't talk about it much, but like, I think like in a very bizarre kind of abstract way, the Apple lawsuit is linked to the loot box lawsuit, to a bunch of the other stuff, like the whole, a lot of the ISP stuff going on right now. Like it's, uh, people that grew up with technology understand how important technology is and kind of how it can be circumvented to be a problem. You Previously, that was kind of a group of people that either knew a lot about it or spent some time researching. Now it's, I grew up with loot boxes and loot boxes suck. Why? Here's the five reasons why. Wait, you mean you give the money, uh-huh, to buy a secondary currency, uh-huh, that doesn't use real money anymore, uh-huh. What? Yep. And you I mean, even Team Fighters yeah. has its secondary currency that you use yeah. for your gotcha pulls. That granted, you never really you can get tons of the currency and never spend a dime. Yeah. Like I've mentioned many times before, like in that game, and I do like at least that they are. Yeah, they give the percentages percent chance. Click on anything, it'll tell you exactly what the percent chance is because part of their campaigns are. There's a higher percent chance to get these characters. Here's exactly what that chance is. <laughs> I don't often praise the gaming practices of China, but the fact that they have to have that percentage thing for random stuff, I think, is just a no fucking brainer for any country at this point. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember where uh, the King of Fighters All Star. I think that's. Uh, they are done by Net Net Marble, and I don't remember where Net Marble is based. I don't know, but it may also be a hey, if we put it in there to begin with, because we're going to put it in China eventually. It's just it's South easier. Korean. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It's South Korean. Yeah, Net Marble is a South Korean developer. But yeah, uh, and it might be because of might be because of rules and laws already existing in South Korea, which, as technologically advanced as South Korea is. Wouldn't surprise me that they would have some things where they require them to, but the percentage chance of getting anything, you know, of a, you know, like a loot box, anything that's a, that's a, that's loot box or similar to has to explicitly state exactly the percent chance. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think this is, yeah, there again, this is a sort of meta study of many studies that have already been done. And this is good. It's good that now that there are quite a few studies on this phenomenon. And I think this type of thing is important to get ahead, you know, at least or, you know, or at least be timely enough to have have an effect before it gets too far to pull back in. Yeah, I I don't know. It's it feels weird. Yeah. Yeah, I 
I think it's one of those things we have talked about in the past, like just certain kind of conceptions about tech are going to age out soon, and they'll be replaced with a whole new set of wrong misconceptions about tech, but at least they'll be overall slightly more tech-savvy, but yeah, not happening quite fast enough. The whole ISP fights in the U.S., I think, are proof of that, where 10 megabits is totally fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's it for news this week. I uh, got no emails this week as well, so that's it for the podcast world. So you can email us at wickedawesomecast at gmail.com. So as it sounds down the show notes, you know the drill by now. Anything you want to talk about we close it out this week, Henry, or nah? Uh, yeah, I'll just mention that my social media, uh, I am Kraken Zero, that's Z-E-R Zero, and that is on all social media, on Twitter, well, on some social media, I should say, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Instagram is really my main platform, and if I'm, and Twitch is, I haven't been streaming often, I've just been very busy, but if I'm streaming on Twitch, which will be under the same thing, it's same name. I will also be posting that on my Instagram. I may, uh, yeah, I'll probably be trying to practice some in the coming weeks to for the the Sega-thon coming up. But yeah, I uh, yeah uh, yeah. If I am streaming, I'll be posting about it on Instagram, and then I'll just post it to my other social medias. So yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's all. Yeah. No big plans. Uh, yeah. Mordek, I'm more D4K on anything worth following me on. Uh, not much right now, really. Just getting by and getting by, I guess. Uh, I've been yelling about something on Twitter lately, but probably not important. Yeah. All right. That's for this week's podcast. Give the medal. Yeah.